Girlfriends, episode number 61, Big Family Finances with Sam Fatzinger. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week we're talking with Sam Fatzinger, a mom of 13 who walks the walk and talks the talk when it comes to family finances. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm always glad when we can connect like this. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you've had a good weekend. For me, for my part, um, it was a crazy week last week. After getting back from traveling to LA the weekend before, I really, I mean, I felt like I was playing catch up the entire week. It was crazy. I'm hoping things will be a little smoother this week. can get my feet under me a little bit and not feel like I'm constantly chasing deadlines and missing them. Um, but one fun thing I got to do last week was on Friday, I went down to Catholic TV in Boston, which is where we record The Gist, which is the weekly women's talk show that I do for Catholic TV with my two co-hosts, Carolee McGrath and Rachel Balducci. It's a ton of fun. Um, we put together that show. Really, we we've got it down where we just need to travel to Catholic TV for one week out of the year. And we crank out a bunch of shows and they play all year and then they play in reruns. So um, really fun to do that. We, we're going to be doing it again. I can I cannot remember what season we're in now. Sixth, seventh. I don't know. I got to look that up. Um, but anyway, we're going to be doing it again this coming uh, June, the last week in June, we're going to be doing that. But this time I was going down to be a guest on This Is The Day, which is their live talk show that they have three days a week. So I did that on Friday and it was really fun. I, I just love everybody there. It just reminds me what great people are at Catholic TV. And it was a fun little quick interview where we talked some about Catholic Digest and then about my book, You're Worth It. And I had my two youngest with me, Raphael and Danny, and they were asked to come on the set right at the end. So they got on TV and they were famous and they loved it. So that was a ton of fun. I'll put the link to the interview in the show notes for this episode at daniellebean.com if you're interested in checking that out. Um, I've also been playing a lot with my Instant Pot. You've all followed my saga of wanting the Instant Pot and then getting it. And I'm determined, just like I was determined years ago when I begged my husband for a treadmill and we finally got one, uh, that it wouldn't become, you know, something that gets neglected and pushed aside. And I don't want the Instant Pot to do that. So I've been trying lots of different recipes, experimenting with different ways to use it, finding some ways I like to use it, some ways not so much. Um, I've been making a ton of different recipes with it. I made a pork with a balsamic glaze that was, I thought it was good. Um, my husband didn't care for the glaze, but the kids liked it. It was like a little bit of a sweet and sour balsamic glaze. That was good. I did that over the weekend. And then um, I made yogurt yesterday and then this morning it was ready and so far the kids are kind of um, balking at my yogurt because it has less sugar which is supposed to be the point right so I don't know maybe maybe I'll put a little more sugar in the next batch or um, make up some kind of a sweetened filling that they can add a little bit to Um, but I really like how it came out I really like the texture and um, I think it's delicious. So I'm happy with that. I just might have to tweak the recipe a little bit so the children will actually eat it. That's kind of the point here, right? (laughs) If you've got some recipes that you love to use your Instant Pot for, let me know. I would love to check them out and possibly share them um, with our podcast community here. It's a lot of fun to share those things. And I've been adapting other recipes for the Instant Pot. A lot of slow cooker recipes you can adapt for it. Um, And, uh, you know, other even pasta recipes. I've I've been really happy to use it for pasta because this is the number one thing. It's not really taking much less time to cook the pasta. I guess technically it does take less time, but it only uses one pot (laughs) and you don't have to bring a pot of water to boil, do the whole draining thing. You just put the pasta and the water in the instant pot, um, set it to cook four minutes under pressure. It takes, it takes a little while to get up to pressure. So it doesn't just take four minutes to cook. Um, But then when you open it up, it's just cooked pasta in there. It's absorbed the water and there's no draining needed. You can add sauce or cheese or whatever you want. Um, So anyway, I'm still excitedly using my Instant Pot and experimenting with that. And I'd love to hear from you if um, you have one or if you have questions about it. It's a lot of fun to talk about. 
So I promised we were going to talk about finances, even though it's not my forte. But uh, we did get some feedback um, from a listener last week who was looking for some financial tips, and she shares a little bit of her story. Let's take a listen. Hey, Danielle, this is Becca, who has been trying to get it together to message or Voxer you. Um, I am a longtime listener and reader from the good old Faith and Family Live days, and um, but I'm new, actually, to your girlfriend's podcast. It has been a fantastic find, and I love catching up on your episodes. Um, one of my goals for 2017 was reawakening my seemingly static faith life and um, get inspiration from our beautiful community of faith. Um, and I'm finding podcasts are enriching my emotional health um, over TV and social media these days. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, recently, you mentioned uh, possibly tackling a podcast on finances, um, but you didn't feel it, uh, quote unquote. And I hear you. Um, of late, the topic um, can feel like such a weight um, that I get tempted to avoid it and leave it to my spouse. And But I'm thinking we all need to embrace the financial conversation and, and educate each other, I think, as girlfriends. And um, finances not only affect the present, but the future and definitely our marriages and our emotional health as well as tithing for the church. And it can be a scary topic, but it shouldn't be. Um, But I'm thinking if people are sending in their ideas, it might need to be broken up into a couple of podcasts. (laughs) I don't know if you could actually tackle something like this in one, but um, if you ever do, good luck. Um, And I think it's really needed. Um, My current needs in a financial podcast uh, would not only be budget tips, um, but decoding all the lingo in saving and investing. Um, People are throwing out IRAs and and Coverdells and all, and I, I, I act like sometimes I know what they're saying and inside I'm a little choked up because um, I'm kind of lost. And my confession is I'm very ignorant to what everything means and I get easily overwhelmed at how to start educating myself. And there are probably, or maybe there are others out there like me. Um, personally, I was raised uh, that my husband would handle all the finances. Um, but what, kind of happened to me personally was a few years ago, my husband got overwhelmed. um, And for reasons that, you know, out of, out of good reasons, but obviously not the wisest ones and not healthy for marriage, he chose to shield me from our financial um, hardships and only finally revealed to me what was really going on when we were actually in foreclosure and in debt right before the bank was kicking us out of our house. Um, Uh, so yeah, (laughs) I don't recommend that for any marriage. Um, and it was a huge undertaking in forgiving and healing and rebuilding for both of us. Cause obviously there's other things there, um, that both of us needed to work on. Um, but we lost like 401ks, we, we lost everything and, you know, I had to go back to work to help, um, and kind of change how I was raised and embrace something new. And we're only just now getting ahead again this year and starting back to tithing, which is probably something we shouldn't have stopped, but, um, you know, and now that we're getting ahead and can kind of think not about getting through the now, but now thinking to the future, um, we're really both kind of overwhelmed at the choices out there financially, because obviously we got into a mess before. We want to be smarter this time around. Um, and so, you know, a podcast or two on the basics or advice maybe from listeners on other podcasts that they listen to that are very simple, given simple instructions or books out there um, to comprehend or guide financial rebuilding or options, that's something I know I'm looking for. Um, And I know I personally would recommend um, a podcast or recommendations of podcasts out there that we talk about finances and marriage, you know, and and that the impact of communication and how needed it is. Um, Talking about marriage and finances and then not being afraid to talk about marriage and finances. And, um, And I'm, you know, just almost 40, and I know I feel a bit embarrassed that I'm now just figuring out finances, but I feel that 
being able to speak up and maybe empower myself to and admit that I need to learn these things, um, that I might not be the only one. And there may be more of us out there that either are losing sleep over finances or have great tips to share. Um, and that just for all of us to know that the first step is just not being afraid of the conversation. So if you think you can be open to doing a podcast or mini series <laughs> on it, I say go for it. Danielle. Um, and as always, thank you for listening and for podcasting and writing. Um, God's peace be with you and, you know, St. Matthew, patron saint of finances and St. Thomas More, one of the patron saints of troubled marriages. Pray for us. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you, Becca, for all of that. Wow. Um, that was a lot to take in, but so helpful, I think, um, for us beginning a conversation here about family finances. There are so many different ways to approach it. Um, and, the, you know, talking with Sam on the show today, she's really going to share a lot of just kind of the practicality of living out a, a simple life, um, a debt-free life, the, the way the, in which her family does that, and along with some, you know, practical ideas for uh, ways to simplify things and um, save money and just just sharing, you know, how she and her family, how she and her husband have done exactly that. So that's not really exactly what you're, you're talking about, Becca, both with um, talking about the lingo, the financial lingo, um, <laughs> the glossary maybe that some of us need with regard to financial planning. Um, and I'll think about that. Maybe there's somebody I could have on that could kind of just walk us through some basics. Um, and I'm certainly open to doing that. I do not have the expertise to share that. But, uh, you know, I think that it is a pertinent topic. And it's something that um, a lot of people are looking for information about, no matter what your age, you know, right now, we're actually putting together a special issue of Catholic Digest, that's specifically focused on financial planning at all different stages of life from, you know, young, you know, young and single to, you know, old and retiring, um, we all have different financial needs, but financial planning is something that's really part of being a good stewardship, being being a good steward of the resources that God gives us, of the work that he gives us, the money that he gives us. So it is a, a Christian topic. It is a Catholic topic. It is something that I, I think that there is a Catholic perspective on, a faith-based perspective that I, I would like to um, maybe look into getting somebody on. If you have a recommendation for somebody, if anyone listening does, please let me know um, if there's somebody, you know, with regard to that kind of expertise, giving us the basics on that kind of like the language barrier or, or helping people get past that fear of even just beginning a conversation about that. And then, so that goes to the other part of what you shared, Becca, which is in your marriage that, you know, this is an important topic of conversation to have inside of your marriage, such an important topic for you to be on the same page about, have the same approach about, you know, they say that the the things that, that couples argue about most are, are sex and money. And um, I don't know about you, but my husband and I don't argue about sex. <laughs> it's about financial decisions for the most part. Um, and I mean, not that, you know, I think every couple that it, what it is, it's such a deeply personal approach, I think that we all have to finances, that's really important to share where you are. And, you know, such a sad thing that Becca shared about her husband taking on that burden and trying to protect her from it, you know, well-intended, but very bad results, um, that we all need to be open and honest about what's going on with regard to our financial situations in our marriage. And that can be a scary conversation to begin, especially if you know you're not in a good place and you're worried about that. You know, if you're there, if you're lying awake at night, it needs to be addressed. And, you know, think about the peace and freedom that you'll find in actually dealing with your situation. And step number one is beginning that conversation. So um, I'd like to have, maybe I should have Becca on because she's lived it, you know, um, or, or somebody who, from that perspective who could share a little bit more about that um, with regard specifically to marriage. So I'm open to your ideas for guests to have on to talk about this. I'm certainly open to doing a number of different episodes uh, focused on different aspects of, of finances and financial tips. Um, but today's show, we're talking to Sam Fatzinger, and I just love this woman. I And I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation that I had with her. She's so inspiring and so energetic and just so filled with life and love that um, what she shares is really just from the heart and not from, you know, high on a pedestal of any kind of financial expert, quote unquote, but just somebody who's really living this life. And I find that so encouraging that especially younger moms and younger families really need mentors. And as much as those of us 
who've lived this life a little bit might be reluctant to step into that mentor role or to feel like, well, I don't really have the answers. I'm not an expert. I think uh, our church really needs that. It really needs people who are willing to step into that little bit of a leadership role and share the knowledge, share the wealth of your knowledge, share the wealth of your experience in living out what very often is a countercultural life. So I'm not going to delay any further. Let's get to my conversation with Sam. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have a special guest here on Girlfriends today. Sam Fatzinger is joining us. Sam, I've known forever online, and I've followed her blog forever, so I'm thrilled to have her here as a friend and as a mentor, but also as a quote-unquote financial expert. So let me tell you a little bit about Sam. Sam is the wife to Rob for 28 years. She's a homeschooling mom to 13 kids, okay? You heard that right. 13, one, three. Ages 27 to five, and she's Grammy to two. And she's one of the most persistent, frugal people you will ever meet. When she's not busy with their seven month old foster baby, she blogs at babystepsjmj.blogspot.com, also known as Thy Will Be Done. She's been blogging there for a long time. You'll want to check that out. Hi, Sam. Thank you for coming on. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally be a real girlfriend. I know. You're official now. And I got yeah. <laughs> to thank you, Sam, because like every week, without fail, you just you hook me up on social media and link to the podcast with your own little comments on it. And that's so encouraging. And it's so fun to see week after week. Well, I feel like I need to put my workout clothes on because I'm hearing your voice. And that's like my <laughs> Get moving, girl. <laughs> Well, yeah, so let's start with, tell us a little bit about your family. I mean, I think most people just maybe, um, even large Catholic family types, just find that amazing when they hear that you have 13 children. What, tell us a little bit about the, the family that you and Rob have together. So we, I always wanted a big family and was grateful when Rob, who had, was my high school sweetheart, actually asked me to marry him and I was kind of shocked because I wasn't thinking that that was going to be the day or the time and the joke of the town because we both live in the town that we both grew up in. So we've been here forever and know everybody. And the big joke was when he asked me to marry him, I kind of looked shocked. And <laughs> I think he caught him off guard and he said, hey, who else is going to give you 10 kids, a white picket fence and a dog? And I looked at him and I'm like... <laughs> forget the dog and make it 11 and I'll say yes because I'm thinking <laughs> okay it's 1988 you know who is going to want to give me 10 kids right so the joke was in our town when we uh, had number 10 and then again when we had number 11 everyone made a big deal like oh now you have it it's you know the perfect package and we were like well <laughs> wait a minute we're still young still got a couple more babies in us so God has been so good to us and we've just taken one at a time and mm -hmm love them and the craziness that comes with all that. Love it. Yeah. And it's so inspiring to watch you guys on social media. I don't know if Rob is still blogging, but I remember following his blog years ago and he is like, between the two of you, you are, you are so active and energetic. I mean, like he's running the Boston Marathon. You're working out to girlfriends all the time. Like, how do you guys do that? How do you maintain your energy level with, with all the responsibilities that you have? Well, when he started doing marathons and people started laughing at him and saying, you know, you're running all the time. And actually, even when he was doing triathlons, they're like, when can you possibly work out? And he's like, hey, if you had a house full of kids, wouldn't you be out at four in the morning? <laughs> so people be like, okay, okay, okay. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> he just found like, he's really the runner. I'm just trying to maintain healthy and uh, always was trying to just lose my baby weight. So I, my worst part of my day is working out. His best part of his day is working out. He just <laughs> lives and breathes and thinks it's just the, his favorite thing at all. So he loves it and I sweat through it. But he, um, that's just kind of like how he maintains his sanity and we just kind of have that as part of our daily routine. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really inspiring. And then even more inspiring is the reason we're having you on here is because I've heard from listeners recently who are looking for financial advice from a Catholic perspective. And you as a family have been featured in the national media recently um, in the Washington Post, in the Daily Mail. Washington Post headline is how one family is sending 13 kids to college 
living debt-free, and still plans to retire early. I mean, there's an attention-getting headline. <laughs> so can you give us just a little bit of background on, you know, because there was all this buzz about you guys um, back when these were, you know, hitting the headlines in, I think it was late summer last year. And I, I was so excited to read about it because it seemed like so, you know, you read through it and you're like, oh, you can so do that. And I think that maybe it's part of our culture or something that we think it's impossible to live debt-free. So can you give us just a little bit of what your, your background is there, how you guys have approached your financial life? Yes, it was really funny how that all came about because we kind of looked at each other and laughed. We're like, why does everyone think this is such a big deal? We never thought, I mean, Rob's so cool on so many levels. Like he exercises and he's a great husband and he's a great father. But now all of a sudden everyone thinks we're amazing because you've learn to you know keep us debt free and everyone went crazy we started getting emails and phone calls and he was kind of like oh my gosh why are all these people calling us and i like i i didn't realize it was such a big deal but everyone's like no to be debt free right now is such a uh, a big deal and so he had just been following uh, a a financial blog called the mad scientist and he had commented um, to him on his blog saying, hey, your advice has been really great. I've been following it, and it looks like if I keep up with your advice, I'm going to be able to retire when my 13th, my 13th child is about 16 or so. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait. He, he emails him back immediately. <laughs> He's like, you have how many children? <laughs> And Rob was like, oh, I have 13. And he was like, I want you to do a guest post on my blog. Oh, my gosh. And so Rob, who's about as introverted as I am extroverted, was like, no, I don't think I want to do it. I'm like, oh, you totally should do it. Because when we had gotten a foster child about five years ago, we kind of both stopped blogging because just our concentration was on, you know, raising him and taking care of him. So sure. we kind of stopped blogging and I'm like, it would be so good for you to start blogging again because that's such a, a fun way for you to express yourself and you're so good at it and you're so funny, even though you pretend you're super quiet and don't like to talk to people. So <laughs> he, he did this guest post and we thought it was, it got such a good re review. So many people were commenting. There was like 80 comments and everyone was like, this is wonderful. And it was so interesting because you're thinking about financial people are commenting about a guy with, with 13 kids. N there was not one negative comment at all. Everyone wow. was so gracious and so um, affirming. And so that was really kind of cool. And then after that article, this woman who writes for the Washington Post kept sending Rob messages. Hey, I want to do a follow-up on this. Hey, I want to do an article about you. And he just kept ignoring them and ignoring them. And mm -hmm. she'd be emailing and calling. And then she found out that his crazy wife had a blog. And so she sent me a message. And I'm like, sure, I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> so she was like, oh, I found the, the leak. So she yeah. came and met with me and talked. And we went grocery shopping. And she was just really gracious and so... Um, wonderful and we decided to do this article and then when it came out on the Washington Post it was like crazy I mean we were like driving down the road and hearing the kids are calling me mom they just said our name on the Washington Post it's gonna be this weekend and oh my gosh weird phone calls from like hey we want to do a reality show on your family <laughs> oh like, my gosh Leave us alone. We want to stay happily married and remain. <laughs> yes. Well-adjusted kids. It was just like, uh, you know, but then uh, different people started picking it up. And that, I think that article had like over a thousand comments and most of which were horrible and negative. Oh, jeez. <laughs> My husband's like, don't read the comments, whatever you do. And I'm right. like, how can you tell me not to do this? And so at that point, we actually had just gotten another foster baby and he was uh, like a week old when that article came out. So I'm up like every two or three hours reading all the comments going, oh my gosh, how can people possibly say these things about us? They don't even right. know us. And it really came back to the fact that our community that we live in, we didn't realize how much support we get just as um, just as friends and church and and little things like free cycle, all these things, because we don't spend money on things that we can get for free. 
If, right. If, if my kids need a pair of cleats, first I ask my family. Then I, if they don't have any, then I ask my friends. If they don't have any, I'll go on free cycle. And, you know, 99% of the time, I get it. And usually it's nicer than the ones I would have bought in the first place. And so, <laughs> Uh, we just have this huge network of of my town. So I kind of said to people, like, isn't your town, like, nice? Like, don't they offer you, like, a new a bike or, you know, offer you a couch if they don't need it? And, and most of the people from this article were like, oh, my gosh, they're just sucking off society. They're just leeches. Oh they all take, take, take. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't talk that way about my children and my I husband. I know. And so the other big deal was the fact that our kids um, go to college debt free. And that was mainly not any plan we had, but uh, we homeschool. And so when our kids graduate from homeschooling, they go to a community college for two years and they have to pay for everything themselves. So mm -hmm. that just, you know, not that wasn't really our financial plan. That was just our survival plan. Sure. So being at this community college, we actually have one of the best community colleges in the country, right, about 25 minutes away from us. So they all go there for two years, and then they just roll right over to one of the state schools around here. And mm -hmm. so that's worked out, and then they either choose to pay themselves to live there, or because it's a state school, they'll, they can sometimes commute, mm -hmm. and that saves money. And so we have... Our seventh one is in community college right now, and our first uh, four have graduated undergrad debt-free. Wow. And our fifth one is going to graduate this May, and she will her undergrad will be debt-free. So we're just proud of them, but they kind of laughed. They're like, it wasn't really anything we chose. It was just right. survival, Mom. We yeah. Had no I know. Right. Exactly. And I, I love to hear that, especially being um, a mom who has kids that are college age now is we, we've been coming across that as well, that kind of our, our culture and everybody from like teachers to guidance counselors to, you know, grandmas are asking like every kid expecting they're going to go to some expensive four year college the second they graduate from high school. It's like, get on the treadmill. This is what everybody does. But I, I, you know, I think it's important to question the value of that. And nothing makes you question the value of that more than having multiple kids and there's just absolutely no way to pay for that. I don't ever say that it's the, this is the best plan for every family. Sure. It just has really worked for our family. Again, we have this really great community college close by, which is a big, that's a huge deal because mm -hmm. that helps so much. And our kids, I mean, all seven of them have done fantastic. They've always been on honor roll or the dean's list. And so I don't think that it's because they're extremely smart or anything like that. They've just learned, I think, maybe through homeschooling or through going to a high school tutorial two days a week. They kind of learn how to, okay, I'm, I'm given this information and now I have to, you know, figure it out by myself and process it. So the role right into college has been a real beautiful one. It hasn't been like this huge shock of, oh, I'm away from my family. There hasn't been all those extra stresses. Mm -hmm. There's not the financial stress. There's just like, okay, this is just, you know, the way it goes and the way it works. So, so far, so good. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I can hear from what you're saying that if for one of your children that was not the best plan, that you would be open and supportive of that in whatever way you could. But, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, you know, it's so crazy that, you know, we talk about our, you know, having to have a college fund for each of your children and stuff. And that's the kind of questions I used to get back when, you know, we were pregnant again and people are wondering, how can you possibly afford this? And, you know, who on earth, even if they have two kids, can afford to save up while they're raising their family the, the amount of money you need to pay out of pocket for basic college tuition at even, you know, even just a middle of the road kind of school that I, I think it's a, a way in which our culture has just kind of gotten away from us. And so it's very refreshing to hear about families like yours that are doing it just a little bit differently. But, you know, earning that degree and, you know, finding success academically, finding success in, you know, getting the kind of education that you want for your children, but at the same time, being very reasonable about how you approach it. And it's interesting, too, it's, you know, they don't take it for a for granted because I was the youngest of nine and I had to pay for my own school. So I went mm -hmm. to community college and then I got scholarships to finish out 
um, going to a state school. Where my husband, on the other hand, was went to a four-year school. His parents paid for it. They sent him money every week. It was just like that was just so. And he he never went to class. And he you know, <laughs> partied at school. And then I was like, I can't miss this class, and I can't miss the study hall because I have to learn to make sure I pass this class. Like, yes, it was just how I did it, and it was just again survival and. So I see where our kids are really good about uh, trying to make, you know, they never miss classes and they do go to extra study hall because they've been taught that, you know, if you want to get that A or that B, you know, make sure you get to do all the extra credit, do all the extra study hall things that are provided Mm -hmm. so that maybe if you have that like 88 in your class, your teacher will remember, hey, that was the kid who came and asked me for extra credit or, hey, that's the kid who... Who, who, who came to the study halls and, and really has helped them so much. A lot of my kids have gotten that A because yeah. the teacher remembered them or, you know, I just try to make them as, as involved with their academics as possible. And when you're paying it, you're definitely there. You're it's definitely, absolutely. you're getting your money's worth. <laughs> That's a really nice side effect of that approach to uh, higher education. I, I found the same, Sam, with my daughter. My oldest is, she's commuting, so she's saving money. Um, she's going to a state school and just paying her bills, you know, just working and paying as she goes. And it really does make her value. And I remember at one point um, earlier this year, one of her professors canceled class or something, or she showed up and I don't know what it was. The professor just called it off and she's like, I paid $180 for that class. You know, she had exactly. it she had it all figured out and she knew what did she was getting her value, you know? So what, other what kids were just going off that? to party, you know? <laughs> what, I mean, what normal college kid would think that everybody else is like, "Woohoo, I can I know. party." <laughs> so it's kind of a nice side effect making them well, and you know, it, and that applies to all aspects of life, but just kind of giving them that responsibility and they step up to it. And um, it's just a great, to me, that's a more valuable education that you can give your kids, that kind of real life education, real life, real life financial education and the value of what you're getting for your money is, is, you know, at least equally as important as whatever they're learning in the classroom. Yes. And they'll all tease me because I always will ask for stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, again, like the cleats or, or, or my daughter's about to, my other daughter's about to get married and she was looking for couches. And so she's like, ask around mom, if anyone's getting rid of, you know, any old couches. And my daughter's neighbor had these two brand new couches. And so we're like, okay, they look okay. And they, you know, they, so we got those and she's like, I can't believe someone wouldn't just give these to their friends or something. Why are they just getting rid of them? Right. So I was like, they probably know that someone's going to come by in a pickup truck in about 10 minutes. And they right, come up. right. But that's kind of like how our town works, mm-hmm. where it's not so much, oh, these are going to trash, but this can bless somebody else. And mm-hmm. uh, I that was one of the big things in the Washington Post. People were like, ew, gross. They're using used people's, like, cars and furniture. Oh, my and gosh. She's like, Don't you have friends? Like, they're not really, yeah. like. Yeah, I'm not no. picking the ones out of the dump that have like dog urine all over them. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, but it's just a matter of expectations and yes. how it works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and speaking <laughs> practically of those kinds of things, what would you say? Because I know there are some people listening, and and I have been one of these people in my life in the past when I've heard about large families living frugally. Ooh, we all get that picture in our head, like, oh my gosh, they're having lentils every night for dinner, <laughs> and you know their kids are wearing these outdated, you know, ragamuffin clothes, and what you know, whatever it is. What maybe you could describe a little bit practically speaking? I know you mentioned about, um, you know, not being opposed to used in good condition condition, furniture, and other large items. What other kinds of everyday habits do you cultivate at home? And what kinds of things are you not willing to compromise on? We ha- we use, uh, we have a wonderful grocery store. We have Aldi and everyone, I was asking my friends, it's like, okay, so I need to give advice. What do you think? They're like, oh, Sam, you're so good about asking for stuff before you buy them. Okay. You need to buy a bike. Well, before you buy a bike, you ask around, and usually you get it. And mm-hmm. before your kids, your kids, uh, then my next son, number eight, is about to get his driver's license, and he keeps saying, "Mom, did you send out the email? The email, or did you ask on Facebook about your friends? Is anyone getting rid of a car? Is anyone 
relatives selling a car, you know, good condition. So they kind of, they might like get embarrassed sometimes, but then I'm the first person they go to like, oh, mom, I need, you know, goalie, <laughs> I need goalie gloves or can you ask those free cycle people? And because they see it. And when we, we got uh, this foster baby in the summer, someone had just given us this brand new crib, like never been used and, but I didn't have a crib mattress. So I kind of just emailed this group of networking because we have so many great people in my town. And I said, does anybody have, you know, an old crib or, I mean, an old crib mattress that they aren't using? And I had this, got this message back right away from someone saying, I have this brand new crib mattress. It's never been used. We can't use it. I, I'm so glad someone can use it, you know. And mm -hmm. so I got that. And then I needed a baby mobile. And so since I have gotten rid of all my baby stuff, right. all these little things that you forget about. <laughs> and so I get this message on Facebook from somebody who I'm, barely really friends with I just knew her from a school activity and she's like I have one in the box in my attic I'm so glad someone can use it like I didn't want to throw it away because it's brand new but mm -hmm. oh this would be perfect. and I would laugh because here this baby you know our 14th baby in this house he's got new this a new crib a new mattress a new mobile none of my other kids even my firstborn didn't have anything new mm -hmm. because I got it from my brother or whatever right right so everyone was laughing because it's just you giving, I always tease my other friends. I was like, you're giving people, when I ask you for stuff, you're, I'm giving you the opportunity to provide, to get graces, to provide for someone. So if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be able to have all these extra graces for being so kind. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. So um, we, so then again, just asking is huge. And then we go to Aldi's. And so we really cut our grocery bills down by 200 at least a month by shopping there and my mm -hmm. kids get we buy things now that we never could afford because it's such a better deal so we we stopped going to all the big club yeah places because i can get most of my groceries there mm -hmm. and then you just kind of learn like you have to be savvy so i found out that the more expensive grocery store down the street from us about 8 30 in the morning um knocks down all the meat 33% that's going to expire in a, the next day. So mm -hmm. it hasn't expired yet, but it will expire the next day. And we are blessed to have a great big freezer. And so I will go there and, you know, it's hit or miss. Sometimes they won't have stuff or sometimes it's even too expensive, 33% off. Mm -hmm. So I will pack up my cart. And it's so funny being at the checkout line and everyone's looking at me going, well, you had a big cookout or something? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to your house for dinner. And so I'm like, yeah, this is all going in the freezer. And, you know, or, you know, one time we were, we were buying for a huge graduation first communion party. So yeah, I was, we were cooking 20 mm -hmm. packs of chicken or whatever. So it, that's been huge just to kind of be savvy and to know when's the good deal yep. and when's the good time to buy. Uh, then otherwise they really, if they want special clothes or things like that, then they buy them themselves or they know that, okay, my birthday is this month. I'm going to ask for this for my birthday or mm -hmm. I'm going to save up. And, and my kids get jobs right away. So when they're younger, they're either walking dogs or doing mommy helper jobs. And then when they get old enough to actually have a real job, they will find great jobs and they all love, they actually love working. They, really? They all, yeah. And it's, it's, I always tease, it's like just to get out of this crazy house. Like, that, you know, <laughs> but they love having them work and they love mm -hmm. that work ethic and, and all their bosses love them because they're on time and they work hard. And yes. Yeah. So that's been really helpful. And they, I mean, most of them have bought their own cars before they were even 16 because they've been saving money. And so they know, you know, when they're 13 and 14, that no, you did, you're not making, doing these babysitting jobs just so you can go out and buy this. You're using them so you can save up for a car. And then right. after you save up for the car, you're saving up to pay for school. So there's always this perpetual, you know, idea of saving and, and putting money aside. But yeah, they do. They'll go out to, you know, fast food with their own money and they buy their own gas and they pay for their own cell phones and they pay for their own insurance, which is a big one. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to think about my 
<laughs> my kids and their car insurance bills. Oh my gosh, it's huge. Yeah. So, you know, that said, so there's a, a bunch of things that, you know, they can step up and, and pay for on their own. But I'm thinking of like, you know, families today, like one of the most expensive things that I encountered as we were raising our kids, you know, I was all big on babies don't cost anything, you know, what's a pack of diapers, you know, and it did seem that way when they were little. But what really was sticker shock for me was activities for kids. Like, wow, times eight kids, by the time you're signing up everybody for something or whatever, it really added up. And that wasn't always something that fit easily into our budget. So how have you handled participating in activities with all of your kids? I'm so glad that you brought that up because I am a stickler about that. So not only is it my financial advice, but it's also my life advice and survival of a big family. Mm -hmm. So our, it is really tricky because that has always been a hard one with us, but thank God my husband and I have always seen eye to eye with, we really don't let them get involved in a lot of extracurricular activities until they're older, like nine or 10. I mean, we do things, we do things as a group, like we're in clubs and we do things at church and, you know, camps and Bible schools and all those kind of things. Yep. So they're not sitting at home eating lentils in their old baggy <laughs> clothes, wondering if they're ever going to be going outside to get to talk to somebody. Right. So they're constantly, and again, again, this is the networking in the neighborhood and the town. We have so much going on in our town and there's a lot of homeschooling things to the point where you're almost like, when do you actually do school? Because you have this field trip and we have today we're going on this wild adventure hike and we have this club and this sewing group and this. So there's tons of stuff. So by no means are my kids sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. And so we don't really let them officially do sports until they're older. Because when I grew up, they didn't, the club sports didn't even start until you were nine and ten. Right. Now, like my friends are like, oh, aren't you, why aren't you signing your kids up for, you know, t-ball? And, yeah. and I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I have <laughs> and again, it started off with I was always pregnant and nursing. So our kind of motto is what is best for our family? Mm-hmm. Not so much what is best for child A, B or C, but what's best for our family? And it's not best for our family where mom's pregnant or nursing to be dragging everybody out to this field or to be eating on the run or to miss out our dinner time because so-and-so's got practice or so-and-so right. gets this. So that's where my good networking comes in because then when they are old enough, I am like the queen of the carpool. I, everyone yep. knows it. Everyone makes fun of me for it, but Nothing drives me more crazy when I get to an event and my four friends in my neighborhood are all there too. And I'm like, okay, why didn't you pick up my kids? Why didn't I pick up your kids? Why didn't right. you, you know? So I, all my friends tease me because I'll be like sending the text messages like a day before. Okay, we have confirmation project this and I'll drive the kids if someone else can take them or CCD or we all are going to the same place. Why are we not? We all have these big 15 passenger vans. Why are we not all sharing this together? Right. So kind of I'm really the, the pushy broad and I always ask and we always do it together. And I just sent a message to my daughter's softball coach they were saying okay we're going to split the teams into two because we have so many kids and I said this is fine but please make sure my daughter is on this girl's team because we carpool and I my daughter's I'm not going to be able to make it to every practice and every game and and then again my kids can only play like one sport one season Mm -hmm. and we really don't do winter sports because we're usually throwing up for about two months or having viruses (laughs) (laughs) that was my only one thing about having a big family is when one kid gets it it's just a matter of time it's so bad it is so crazy and and the and even not only do i is it not my least favorite part of having a big family but it's oh i feel so sorry for my kids because even if they're not sick like the potential of you might be able to be sick or you might be a carrier and i can't send you (laughs) to to play because they're having a baby and what if you are a carrier and they're gonna get your family sick so um that is the tricky part so we really don't do a lot of winter sports just because it's usually we're batting down the hatches by then, but right. we do a lot in spring, we do a lot in fall, and then we have a wonderful uh, swim team and pool, and everybody's kind of in that together. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, and, and I love that you, you, you approach that very practically, because that's very much been my MO as well in our family, you know, especially since having that sticker shock when 
everybody signing up for pre 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 soccer, you know, and, and and just being able to say no to that, and but and waiting until the kids are older and able to appreciate it, but then also only allowing one activity per kid per season. I, I think it's sanity saving. We still have crazy seasons and crazy schedules sometimes, but for the most part, that's worked out pretty manageably financially, but also from just even more importantly from you know family sanity's viewpoint. And another bonus to having all these kids, I guess, is like I'll have my younger kids play up so that they can be on their big brother's team. Oh, yes. We are big fans of that plan as well. <laughs> yeah. And someone just sent me a message like, I have three kids playing soccer. How do I do three different fields? It's like you ask their coach if you can have the younger ones play up. You can't over, ever have young older ones play down. Because right. It's That's not fair. Mm-hmm. But my younger kids have all been the young. I have the younger sibling has always become the better sport player or the better athlete because they had to play up and they mm-hmm. had to they had to fight for their own, even though they're, most of my kids are pretty short, but they had to fight to get that position on that better team. And mm-hmm. it's always really worked out. And that's been a huge help. And and then again, especially when that sibling, older sibling can drive or I have my older kids kind of help out who can drive like, okay, well, you're going to work at this time. Can you please drop them off this field? And, right. and my kids, I know it sounds horrible. And, my, you know, I have friends who never, ever miss any game their kid ever played in. But my kids know, okay, if you want to do this sport, you have to understand that uh, particularly, again, I keep saying when I was pregnant and nursing, because that was like my yeah, life. So hard. Sitting in the house. But now I'm, you know, I don't have that, uh, beautiful gift that were happening. And so I said, you know, so I can't go to all your games, you know, so-and-so's got a game at the same time. And are you going to be okay with that? And mm-hmm. if you're not going to be okay with that, then maybe we need to find you a different team or a different sport. Mm-hmm. And all of my kids are like, mom, it's no big deal. I don't really care that you're there. And so that's right. kind of, it's hard, you know, it's hard because you definitely want to be there, but that's just life. And they learn that it's not all about them. Right. <laughs> best we can and and then they appreciate it you know and the other neat thing about having them wait I've had more than one coach come and tell me because my kids weren't playing since they were four or five mm-hmm. so when they start that team at nine or ten they want to do exactly what the coach says mm-hmm. they don't miss a beat if he says stand here I'm gonna stand here <laughs> if he tells me to mark that player I'm gonna mark that player because they don't want to be the kid who doesn't know what sure. how to play, the kid who doesn't, you know, isn't as good as everybody else. So they listen to every word that coach says. The coaches have been like, wow, you know, all the other kids are so sick of baseball by now because they've been playing for six years or so mm-hmm. sick of playing soccer that they just want to sit on the ground and pick daisies where your kids are like, okay, I need to make sure <laughs> I get a goal and I fight real hard. So it's That's been kind great. of a, an advantage, even though that wasn't our plan. That's been right. an added bonus. That's so great. I love that, Sam. And I love hearing from, and you know, this is what we need to do more of is really just share with people who've been there and done that times multiple kids, because there's so much about our culture that I think we just accept as, you know, quote unquote, normal, the normal way of doing things. Whereas sometimes it's not possible to do what everyone else considers normal. Like, for example, being at every single game for your kid. And um, when it's times multiple kids in multiple leagues, multiple games, whatever's going on on the weekend, then it's just absolutely not possible. And, you know, having grown up in a large family myself, I, I recall that, you know, there were some kids whose parents were at every single game. And I even remember reflecting on it. I don't know how old I was, but I did not give a hoot. I mean, I knew my parents cared about me and they did come to some of the games, some of the events. They were engaged in my life. There was no reason in the world why I needed them to you know, on that bleacher every single moment of my, you know, sports career in junior high. It's just absolutely crazy that we kind of put that guilt upon ourselves and it kind of becomes the like a sense of normal in our culture. Definitely. And I think that's huge because really the sports, and I'm hearing it from the homilies of the priests, that, you know, like sports is becoming another god. And mm-hmm. I, it's unfortunate because when I was growing up, you you rode your bike to practices and you're lucky if your parents came to the game because they, you know, some parents only had one car. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how old I am. But just the whole idea of like, it wasn't about if the sports were there as an added bonus, but it wasn't like the whole world revolved around that. And right. that stays in the expenses too, because, because we aren't playing the same sport year round, then my kids aren't looking to pit play those older 
those, you know, harder teens, more expensive travel teens. Mm -hmm. And I'll say when I look at particular kids who are talented in certain sports and I'll call the coach and I'll say, okay, you know, we're, this is new, a new uh, league for us or whatever. Give it to me straight. Like, what are the fees? Like, is there a lot of traveling and is there, uh, you know, these hidden fees that they don't tell you about? And I was so grateful to this one coach. And I said, you know, I had, I just had a baby. It's my 10th child and my son really wants to play on this team. And he said, listen, that's amazing. But let me tell you, not only do you have the soccer fees, he says, but we have to go to two tournaments a year and they're not local. So you're looking at travel expenses, hotel fees. And he's like, it's going to cost like about $5,000 for your kid to play on the soccer team. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank (laughs) you so much for telling me. Right. You You know, if he wouldn't have got come right out front with me I would have gotten my poor son involved in this team and then it would have been devastating like no we can't do this tournament or we can't do this mm-hmm. you know and that's just and, I, and I'm glad that my husband and I both have the same feeling because I tell people you know I I keep forgetting that I'm now the older mentor mom you know I was clinging to the apron strings of so many of my friends for so many years getting advice and help from my siblings, mm-hmm. my sisters having kids, and I was surrounded by wonderful women who mentored me in my early years of being a mom. So I remember thinking, you know, telling people, if your husband wants your kids to be on these this team or this sports, the more power, as long as he's the one who's, you know, like, I would never get between a husband and his sports sure. because that's not worth it but in my case my husband and I both are thinking there's just no way we have we don't have the time the energy or the money to put forth one of our kids to be on this travel whatever team Mm -hmm. so but but when when women call me and say oh you know my husband really wants our kids at five to play on this wonderful soccer team I'm like good good for you guys that's great Mm -hmm. then don't ever go against like your husband's wishes because sure. sports are sports is definitely a love language for dads and mm-hmm. for, and and they, you know I have one friend whose husband is amazing he coaches like five different soccer teams and he does it not because he's well crazy but on the other hand he can be <laughs> sure that all five of those practices are when he can do them and right. he's got one right after another he's got one on this night because otherwise she would have kids going all over the place but because he can say okay the game the girls' team's going to play this time, and the boys' team's going to play this time, and he can make sure he's getting everybody where they need to be. So God love them. That's their yeah. love, and it works out. But it's just a matter of being balanced and working with your spouse and, you know, when it comes to sports and activities. Yeah, and I agree. That is so important for a couple to be on the same page, and especially with regard to finances. So before we run out of time here, I just want to ask you, Sam, what advice would you give to someone who's listening right now? Let's say there's someone who is caught up in that kind of cultural idea of being in debt. You know, maybe they own way too large a house. Maybe, you know, maybe they've taken on debt in other ways, medical expenses, or they're paying off their college debts, or what would your advice be to a couple in any stage of their life with any number of children for how to, how to go about that first step? Because it can be so scary for people to really face their financial situation and, and really begin to take that, that first step toward financial freedom that you and Rob are enjoying. And it also causes lots of stress to marriages. And just mm-hmm. I see it in my family and, and I see it in my community. It's I didn't realize so many people, particularly college debt, are, are you know, starting off marriages and family and they have all this college debt. So it's very stressful. So I would my advice would be to just start simplifying and learn the difference between wants and needs and you know, start going through what actually you really have to spend and what you don't have to spend. And, and, and again, meet, meet with your husband and if necessary, meet with a financial advisor, but meet one-on-one with your husband and say, we need a plan. So definitely start off with simplifying, having self-control. It's Lent is a perfect time now for you to like, you know, don't get that coffee at Starbucks, put that dollar or two away every day. And just to be able to see that. So having, you know, shopping sales don't have that like, oh, we have to eat this particular brand of something, you know, learn to sacrifice. And now is a perfect time. I know that uh, during Lent is we're always looking for new ways to strengthen ourselves and be better ourselves. And if it's just a little, you know, cutting and pinching and here doing a little bit here and there, then that's definitely worthwhile. And again, 
even if for those people who aren't pushy like me, <laughs> um, be, be really learn to come out of yourself and to learn to ask and, you know, ask for help, ask for help in any way, you know, mm-hmm. whether, whether it's with, with, you know, hand-me-downs, like always, I always would have like a friend who had a kid like a couple years above me and I'd be like, okay, hey, do you, do you have a skateboard he's not using anymore or do you have rollerblades or like yep. so kids I'm not saying don't give your kids things I'm just saying work around the needs because then what happens in six months your kid's never going to want a skateboard any, anymore anyway and then you give it to the next kid in line and right you, the next friend who's got a kid going through that so I had this one son who was always doing like lacrosse this season and he wanted to do golf this season so I was never going to buy him anything new because I knew he was going to get through <laughs> that and you just share so right. learning to be asking and really trusting in God and asking God Lord I really we really need help with our finances we really need help trying to figure out how to make this work mm-hmm. so asking and just being assertive and being appreciative of those who do give to you people love to love to give to people who are grateful Mm -hmm. and then just really um, making a plan making a plan or making do with what you have like we are on the super budget again because we're just getting done one wedding and starting another and I really would love a new vacuum cleaner and we need a carpet (laughs) but we make do with what we have and we're just you know every time it breaks down my husband's there with a screwdriver on YouTube And, you know, that's just the way it works. And that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Um, and just learning to, you know, minimize your wants and your needs. And that kind of goes along with the whole, like, decluttering and cleaning out. I mean, who isn't trying to do that? That's right. everybody's thing. And, and Pope Francis is right with us, telling everybody to simplify, simplify, help each other. Right. Don't have, you know. It's so, it's, and also it's so green now to share and not to buy and not to spend. That's right. <laughs> Ask my friends to drive my kids somewhere. I'm like, I'm really just, I'm really just concerned about the environment. I don't want to drive my car. <laughs> so could you please pick up my kids? <laughs> it happens to suit you in a number of ways, and that's oh, great. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's all about it's all about the carpool. So it <laughs> really just really kind of go beyond yourself and just and again pray and ask God for wisdom and, mm-hmm. and you know, meet with tell your husband. I really want to do this. And it might be you're not in huge debt, but you really want to go on this particular vacation or you want your kid to play on this certain soccer team. Mm-hmm. Then let's let's make a plan how to make it work. And then right. particularly when my son got married in Arizona and we had to fly 14 people across the country, we every time the, the kids never complained that we didn't go on vacation and that we didn't get Christmas presents because they had the time of their life flying on an airplane mm-hmm. you don't have to stay at a house with a jacuzzi and get <laughs> to just go to the Grand Canyon and eat rattlesnake I mean how exciting oh my is gosh that? yeah wonderful so ever like oh poor me we don't get a lot of Christmas presents or poor me we didn't get to go to the beach this year so mm-hmm. making a plan it's just great and you're teaching your kids such a great lesson by not expecting so I'm glad you just worked hard in your soccer game but we're not going to stop by McDonald's and get you a Big Mac because good for you and we're going to go home we're going to pack food we're going to you know make do with what we have so I just think when you're giving your kids a, a disservice by letting them expect things and you're also teaching them such a greater gift by letting them learn how to pay for their own things and to budget themselves so that when they grow up, they won't have to be in debt. Right. A beautiful gift. I mean, that is like the best gift you can give your kids besides the foundation of faith, which I know you and Robert are also doing. But um, so thank you so much, Sam, for, for taking the time to talk with us. And I feel like we've probably just scratched the surface of what I think you can share with the girlfriend's audience. So I'm planning to have you back on as you were talking. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need, I have like 10,000 other questions for you. And I, Ooh, I, I, I bet, it, it. <laughs> yeah. And I bet listeners do too. So if you're listening now and you have questions for, for Sam, who's, who's, you know, and, and I think that's the thing. We don't need more parenting experts. We don't need more financial experts. We need people who are walking the walk and are willing to talk the talk with us and really just share with us how it actually works in real life. I think that is so valuable. 
possible. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you have questions for Sam or for other guests that we might have here on Girlfriends so that we can, you know, really just get, get at the heart of, you know, the kinds of things that we're wondering about, the ways in which sometimes we wonder how on earth does that work in real life? Because I think a lot of times our Catholic culture comes up against our popular culture and it feels like you can't reconcile the two. And, um, you know, so just learning from families that are actually doing it uh, is so valuable. And I, I just thank you so much, Sam, for your example, but also for your openness and your sharing and your encouragement. You just have a beautiful way of expressing it. Well, thank you so much. And I love what you're doing with Girlfriends because that's what it's all about. People need to get this networking and, and have the support. And I find it from you. Uh, I love Tuesday mornings. It's my best workout day. I get out of bed and I go get my podcast going so I can work out with you. Oh, that's the best. Well, next Tuesday you'll be listening to yourself. So it's going to be the best one ever. Well, thanks so much, Sam. And we look forward to having you on again real soon. Okay. God bless. I told you Sam was great. <laughs> Don't you love her? She's wonderful. So th I want to give a big thank you to Sam for coming on the show today. And that's all we have time for. I do have some other listener feedback and some questions from some of you by email, but I'm going to have to cover those next week or in future episodes. So just know that I got them and I'm working on them and we will be talking about those topics in upcoming episodes. And I just want to give a thank you and a shout out to our newest supporters on Patreon. Amy, Elizabeth and Jenny have all pledged their support for the Girlfriends podcast. They help to make the production of this podcast possible and they encourage me and support me in putting it out. We week after week. So thank you so much for that, ladies. I really appreciate it. And if you're interested in finding out more about how you can support the production of this podcast through Patreon, you can go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash girlfriends. A pledge of any amount gets you the benefit of joining me for a monthly live broadcast where we can interact with one another. I've got one going on tonight. That's Monday, March 6th. So um, I'm pretty excited to connect with listeners in that way and, and connect with our Patreon supporters in that way. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. So you can get all the details about that. A pledge of any amount, even just a dollar an episode, earns you an invitation to that monthly live connection. So check it out at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Thank you so much for being here for another week. I always enjoy our time together. I always enjoy your feedback. I thank you so much for all that you do to encourage and support the production of this podcast in all the ways that you let me know how it's affecting your life and give me your feedback, give me your questions. I really appreciate that back and forth and that interaction. It's really very valuable to me. And thank you so much just for being here, for showing up. Your presence means so much to me. And until next time, I hope you'll enjoy your day and God bless your week. Friends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.